listening to Raising HSE, a podcast designed for parents with students in Hamilton Southeastern schools. Each episode, you'll hear from different staff and teachers, and they'll share with you helpful tips, information that your student can use, and a few parenting hacks, because together we're Raising HSE. Hi, I'm Christy Smith. I'm the Assistant Director of Exceptional Learners for Hamilton Southeastern Schools. Today, we are coming together on this podcast to talk about executive functioning skills. And I have with me three of our specialists from the district who are um, well-versed in this topic, and we're going to be interviewing them. We have two of our behavior consultants and our autism consultants. Uh, my name is Greg Aiken. I am a behavior specialist with the district and work primarily with uh, the elementary and intermediate schools. Hi, my name is uh, Travis Kemper. I'm uh, another behavior specialist, and I work primarily at the secondary level with our junior highs and high schools. Hi, my name is Leslie Brown, and I work as the autism specialist in the district, and I travel to all of our schools in Hamilton Southeastern. Thank you, and thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, We're going to start with just the big overall question uh, is, what exactly are executive functioning skills? It's a big word. Some people have maybe never heard of it before. And so, Leslie, would you mind giving us an overview of just what exactly are executive functioning skills? Yeah, it is a big topic and it is a big word. And I'm just going to try to break that down so that we kind of are all on the same page. Um, Executive skills do refer to those brain-based cognitive processes that basically help us to regulate our behavior, make decisions, and set and achieve our goals. Basically, those executive skills are that amazing processes that um, our mental capacities take us to that help us do life and make us be able to juggle those multiple tasks and do those things successfully. And on more of a school level with our kiddos, they can be very critical to that acquisition of those academic skills. And just more importantly, making sure that our kiddos are able to get things done. So our brains are kind of like our air traffic controllers. They're the place that um, take in all of the thoughts and impulses. And then our executive functioning skills take those impulses and thoughts and steer them towards those productive outcomes. So for example, kind of like I had stated above, um, our students and just us as adults and just individuals um, are part of the executive functioning helps us to stay focused, regulate our emotions, for example, plan ahead and think about what we're gonna be doing in our lives for the day, setting our goals, monitoring our learning, and to think flexibly and creatively. So if we think about and think about ourselves and our students, for example, when we get up in the morning, what is our day gonna look like? And we kind of think of our day as a movie. And how is that movie gonna play out for the day? And what time are we gonna need for that movie to play out? And so we think about how we're gonna get breakfast ready. What are we gonna need to wear for the day? What do we need to do all day long? And for our students, they're thinking about what do I need to put in my backpack for the day? What kind of projects am I working on that day? And so our executive skills is what help us move out throughout the day and get those things done. We don't even really realize we're using our executive skills until we have a glitch in the process. And so when I think about things like we accidentally pour orange juice in our cereal, 
or we are driving home from work and we have made it so that we're gonna, we're supposed to stop and pick up our, pick up our groceries, but we're going on autopilot. And so we just end up driving all the way home and we don't stop and pick up our groceries or we're thumbing through our phones, looking at social media and we're on Facebook or we're on Instagram or we're looking for that recipe on Pinterest and we end up missing a meeting. We think of that we are just being absent-minded, but actually we have a lapse in our executive functioning skills at that point. Um, so then we realize, oh my gosh, we use executive functioning skills every day in everything and all aspects of our lives that we do. So we're continuously also researching and thinking about these skills and how to improve them or make them work better for our students and for us throughout our lives. So in a nutshell, those are executive skills and how we use them throughout our daily lives. As um, adults, we use executive functioning skills all the time, and I know that we can still be working on those. In the rest yes. of the podcast today, we're really going to focus on our students. That's who we work with the most, but just keeping in Absolutely. mind that these are things that adults have too. So, um, but we're going to talk about our students and, and what we can kind of do, how we can um, assess their executive functioning skills and what we can do as teachers and parents. So <clears throat> Dr. Aiken, I'd like to move on to you. Could you explain to us just what are the different executive functioning skills? I know there's a lot of them, but if you could just explain what are and which ones um, are different for that we might see in our elementary students versus our secondary students. And that's a good question because there is sort of a, a developmental progression of executive function skills. And, and a lot of what I'll share with you comes from Dr. Peg Dawson's work and Dr. Richard Guari's work in um, Smart But Scattered is one of their books. And we'll talk more about some of the resources later in the podcast. Um, but they think about like executive function skills in, in a couple of ways. One, one developmentally, um, kind of the order in which they develop and then also functionally. So like, what exactly do they do and what do they help our kids do and what do they help us do? So I think if we understand that and kind of think about skills that develop over time, it helps us to be, as parents, be more realistic in what we expect of our kids and our teenagers. So we won't necessarily waste our time, for example, like on, on metacognition when our child's only five years old and we know that that particular skill doesn't really develop until early adolescence. So, so there is a group of about five skills that begin to emerge in early childhood and elementary years. Um, and this, this doesn't necessarily mean that the skills are fully developed by the time our kids reach adolescence. but um, we all have strengths and weaknesses and areas where our skills are less developed um, and our teenagers continue to develop and continue to have challenges, maybe, for example, inhibiting responses or regulating emotions. Um, it's important for us to kind of keep in mind that the prefrontal cortex, which is kind of in, uh, controls a lot of these executive function skills, isn't fully developed until about 23 years of age. Um, but even then, if we do an assessment of our own strengths and weaknesses, we know that we continue to work on some of these areas throughout our lifespan. So kind of like you said, Christy and Leslie said that these are important for just life in general. Um, and we continue to work on these throughout our life. So um, the first skills that are um, likely to emerge, um, there's a group of five of them that emerge probably in early childhood and elementary. One, response inhibition, working memory, emotional control, sustained attention, and then task initiation. And I'll just give a really brief description of each. Um, the first is response inhibition, and this is defined as our capacity to kind of think before we act. 
Uh, it doesn't mean that all of our teenagers, again, and even ourselves sometimes stop before we say and do things, but um, a lot of us struggle with this throughout our lifespan. But kids in early childhood should be able to uh, start to develop this skill and kind of wait um, and practice waiting um, before they grab that last piece of cake from the counter. Um, working memory is a second skill that develops in early childhood. Um, and this is, uh, involves the ability to hold information to memory while we're performing some sort of task. And these tasks get increasingly complex as, as kids age, uh, but we can kind of expect our preschoolers to follow one step directions. Um, and then maybe as they get into elementary school, they can follow one to two step directions. Uh, emotional control is a third one. And this is our ability to manage emotions, uh, kind of get things um, done in, in controlling our, our behavior, our emotions. Um, we sometimes kind of think of this more as emotional regulation. Um, if something disappoints us, then we can kind of manage that or we can manage our anxiety if there's a test coming up. A sustained attention is one where we keep focused on a task despite distractions or if we're bored or fatigued. And then the fifth one in early childhood is the uh, task initiation. So starting a project or a task without a lot of procrastination. Um, so we'd expect the kindergartners to kind of start a chore right away. High schoolers can work on longer term projects. Um, there are six skills that Dr. Dawson and Guari talk about that develop later in adolescence and in, in maybe intermediate years. Um, and these are um, things like planning and organization, uh, time management, goal-directed persistence, flexibility, and metacognition. So the planning and prioritization means that you can develop kind of a roadmap or a plan to reach a goal, complete a task. Organization are ways we might develop systems to help us keep track of things like our homework or assignments. And we all do this, it, you know, we use our phones and set alarms on our phones to help remind us, uh, post things on calendars, write post-it notes, that sort of thing. Uh, time management is how, um, considering how much time should be allocated to complete a task or an assignment um, when there's deadlines or checkpoints. Um, older kids can work on longer term projects and assignments. Um, and then goal-directed persistence is the fourth one that involves setting goals and, and achieving these goals without being overly distracted by, you know, with our other interests like video games or TV shows or reading. The fifth one's flexibility. Um, can we revise plans despite obstacles or setbacks? Um, hopefully we're starting to develop this in our young kids and adapting to changes in plans, um, but it really doesn't, you know, fully develop until maybe in early adolescence. Um, and then the last one is, is metacognition. And this is the one that um, is one of the last skills to develop and really thinks it involves thinking about our problem solving skills. So kind of reflecting on ourselves and self-monitoring, self-evaluation, asking ourselves and, you know, how did I do on this assignment or how could I have done better on it? Um, and that's really one that's probably one of the, the final skills to develop over time. Well, thank you, Dr. Drake. And that's really helpful to think about things in terms of age groups because it can be a little bit overwhelming with all of the different areas. So it's nice to know that there's a progression and we can work on different things as, as students get older. So if I'm a parent and I am a parent, but if I'm a parent listening to this, I might be thinking, well, how would I know what skills my child needs to work on or how would, how would I be able to figure out what deficit areas that they even have to begin digging into this work at, at home or with their teachers? Yeah, so there's a, a number of tools I think that are available. Um, there are some that are available in Dr. Dawson's texts and, and on her website. So we'll post this on um, HSC website, but it's smartbutscattered.com and anyone can access that and complete that on her website and you'll get um, results immediately from that. Um, it also, if you purchase her text, the Smart But Scattered, and we'll talk about a few more of those later in the podcast, but um, you can also have access through a code 
um, through Guilford Press to download some of those forms. But they're but they use and refer to multiple survey tools that we can use to look at our strengths and our weaknesses, either in ourselves or in our kids' executive function skills. Um, and in the Smart But Scattered text, she talks about several surveys or questionnaires that can be used with different age ranges, like preschool or, or, or elementary or middle school or high school. Um, one of the things I think that is also helpful is if we evaluate or assess our own executive function skills first and kind of to figure out my own strengths and weaknesses and, and maybe think about how that's impacting um, how I deal with my child or my significant other. Um, one of the things that we often do is we find fault in others where I think there's a, a mismatch between like my area of strength and what comes easily for me and then maybe weaknesses or deficits in others. So for example, if, if my strength is organizational skills and, and planning and my spouse is kind of scattered and doesn't write things down and forgets things, uh, it could be a source of conflict. Um, and the same thing with our kids is that if my child has a hard time maybe starting a task, which would be related to like task initiation, um, and I'm the opposite, I could feel frustrated with my child because it's hard for me to understand kind of why they're struggling with that. So, so I think it's helpful for not only to assess our children and their strengths and weaknesses to help guide kind of our um, interventions and our teaching, but also to kind of assess ourselves to kind of understand maybe how I'm interacting with my child and, and what results in conflict and how I can better kind of manage that myself. So that really makes a lot of sense in knowing how to relate to our own children. So thank you. That, you know, it makes me think like, if I, if I didn't know anything about this, I might be thinking, okay, so why are these so important? And what, how do these play a role in my child's life, like on a daily basis or in the classroom or the things that they're doing in their regular life? Um, so what, what is so important about these? Travis, can you address that question? Yeah, executive skills are extremely important because they're really, they're embedded in everything that we do. Um, you know, throughout your kid's day at home, you know, when you ask them to clean their room or, you know, empty the dishwasher or, you know, get ready for school, um, when they're in different activities, you know, that they, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, gymnastics, they, you know, they're, they're, they need to do all kinds of executive functioning skills to get ready and participate in those activities and in everything they do at school. You know, they're, they're asked to use all types of executive functioning schools. So, you know, while uh, a lot of times we do not directly point out that they're learning and um, using these executive functioning skills, they are being taught uh, in the home, in the classroom, and in the activities that they are doing all around them. Um, so if, if you really examine and think about the events of this past year, there, you know, there have been some dynamic changes in the school and, you know, moving from virtual to hybrid and back to, you know, our in-person environment. And this has caused some major shifts in the executive functioning skills that our children have been asked to do with the way they organize their materials, the way they have to sustain their attention in a virtual environment and on Zooms, the way they have to initiate tasks at, at home and, you know, uh, you know, manage those those things they have to do. Um, the way they track assignments and submit assignments. You know, submitting assignments on Canvas is a lot different than submitting them in a classroom to a teacher, and and managing their emotions. You know, it's a very complex environment we live in today, and and managing those emotions and reaching out to when they need help. Um, and it's really uh, amazing. You know what we're asking our kids to do, and 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 the envir different environments they faced this last year, and, and what they've had to learn how to do during this time period. So you know we really need to look at, 
you know, the way executive functioning skills have changed during this time and the way they're going to continue to change as we go back to in-person learning at, at, at our grade levels and, and how we need to uh, be intentional about teaching these skills um, and that they are being taught developmentally appropriate ways and we're asking them to do developmentally appropriate uh, skills. So uh, what is great about the executive functioning skills um, is that they're vital across their entire lives. Um, and, you know, it, it is, you know, being in high school and junior high teacher as well, it, it's really hard to get kids to understand why they need to do schoolwork and homework at times. And when you come from an executive functioning viewpoint and you can get them to understand that they, these are skills they're gonna need their entire life, that's a different conversation. And they can really start to understand why that is important. And it really helps them connect more with the subject and the importance of those skills. So, and that it is actually more applicable to their lives. So, um, you know, cause we'll see these skills when they, you know, when they're out of school, when they're in their work lives, when they're as parents, when they're in relationships with an adult, as an adult, you know, they'll continue to develop and fine tune these skills uh, through practice you know, um, in all the way from elementary school, all the way through, you know, adulthood into old age. So uh, the great deal, uh, there's a great deal of research um, in child development that shows that um, a lot of times when we have kids that struggle, there, it's really based off uh, a lack of executive functioning skills. And the great thing is that we can teach uh, students a lot of skills. Um, in these areas and tools and strategies to overcome um, a lot of these deficits. And when we look at the ways our students are functioning in the classroom and the struggles they're having, it really can change our lens on how we see our students. Because I often hear uh, students be described by parents and by, by teachers, um, you know, that the student is lazy or the student is unmotivated or that they're disruptive or they're forgetful. And when you really get underneath those descriptions, what you tend to find out is there's indicators that what the student is really dealing with is that they have difficulties with task initiation or they have sustained attention problems or they have emotional control problems. And the great news is that there's strategies we can teach them. And over time, as they get older, those strategies changes, change and they can get better and better at those skills. And they start to do good in school again once we teach them those strategies. So we've kind of talked about what are executive functioning skills. We've broken down the different um, the different executive functioning skills and defining what those are, and then also why they're important to us. So now I know how I would assess for my own children or for students in my classroom, and I know why that's important. Where can I find some more resources on what to do next? So if I want to read more about this and what to do next and things that I could implement maybe in my home, um, where can I find more information about that? Leslie, can you, can you start us off there? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. There's lots of information out there, but just to kind of tailor some of that so you're just not out there thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much out there. Um, we've talked a lot about Peg Dawson. She's definitely a guru with executive functioning. Another guru that I have been able to see at conferences and have heard at workshops is Sarah Ward. She has a great website that if you just go to Google and put in cognitive connections, it will take you directly to her website. Um, and 
within that website, there are many free resources. There's a resource link you can click on. And um, she has some different video links there, some articles to read. But the most important thing is she has some free visuals on there. And we use this, these visuals. Many of our teachers throughout HSE have used these visuals as kind of um, with some of our kiddos who do have those issues with task initiation or planning and prioritizing. It's a visual that's called the get ready, do done, get done visual that talks about having our kiddos looking at that future planning and using their future glasses. I had referred to earlier about thinking as your life as a movie and thinking about what your day looks like to get things done. This is something that brings it into a space for kiddos that they have a planning and a structure that they can use to even make it more concrete. Um, and so it's, it's just a great website that has lots of resources and um, lots of YouTube links that you can also go to. And I know Christy, you'll talk about this later where we will be posting some of these links so it'll be easier for you to get to as well on our HSE website. But Sarah Ward and Cognitive Connections is a really great place to start as well. Thanks. Travis, do you have anything to add that would be good resources for families? Yeah, as Greg uh, brought up, uh, Peg Dawson and Richard Guerre, um, they have their series of books, um, the Smart But Scattered uh, series. Um, there's four different books that they have that I would recommend um, checking out. Um, you don't necessarily need to go out and purchase all four of them. Um, they are very similar in context. Um, the Smart But Scattered, the Smart But Scattered for Teens, and the Smart But Scattered for Adults. Um, you know, you sort of can pick which one really fits your area um, for your student. And they're very similar. The fourth book is the uh, a Practical Guide for, to Assessment and Interventions. Um, that's also a great book too. It's uh, more school related, but there are um, some great strategies for school uh, that you could look into. Um, and it, it, they really present a lot of the latest neuroscience and research. And then they really dive into activities and techniques that you can look at uh, for skills and problem strategies. Uh, for those daily routines um, to help you out uh, for more specific things um, for your student. And then they also provide a lot of good worksheets and different forms that you can build specifically for your student. Um, you know, so maybe if they have problems like cleaning the room or, um, you know, organizing to uh, get ready in the morning, things like that. Um, they provide a lot of uh, ways to set up their uh, organizational strategies in the morning. So um, definitely great things to look at. Along with that book, there, there's a lot of surveys and worksheets that Greg talked about that you could look at as well. Also, if your student has an IEP, I would strongly suggest talking to your teacher record. Um, a, a lot of times they have good insights on, you know, which strategies to focus on and and you know uh, different strategies to use as well. Well, I just want to thank all of you for being here with me today and bringing your expertise to the table. I know this is a lot of information in a short amount of time. So like everyone said, we are going to have resources available on the district website. If you are looking for additional resources and you go to the HSE website and click on HSE schools and then academics and under academics, there's a tab for exceptional learners and these resources that were mentioned will be listed under there. If you have further questions, feel free to reach out to any of us and we will be happy to answer any questions and thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We have more great content planned for future podcasts. Make sure to subscribe 
so you never miss raising HSE.